Hey, everybody. Okay, that's better. That's better. Uh, glad that you're here. If you are joining us online, hi to you. Now you can actually hear us. Uh, otherwise, we were just rambling and stuff. But we are so glad to have you here, especially if you're new. If you're new, I'm Jack, one of the pastors around here. And we are delighted to have you. We know it takes guts coming to a new place. So thanks for taking a risk and taking a chance with us as we kind of dive in and continue in the series we're looking at in some parables of Jesus, some stories that he told and that we're going to look at tonight. We're going to worship together a little bit. So just a couple house cleaning things. If you are new, uh, restrooms are kind of out to your left. If you're watching online, I assume you know where your restroom is. Um, and uh, if you are new, we'd love to have you fill out a connection card. You could do that in a couple different ways, either by texting the word hello, uh, texting the word hello to 520-340-6868. Or if you're online, you can hit the button in the top of right corner. Uh, that is our connection card. We'd love to be able to follow up with you. And if you're new, we, I want you to invite you to our 10-minute party immediately following the service where you will be handed a bag of the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon just for being new and being awesome. And so if you are new, I'd love to hand that to you. Just meet you. Thanks for being here tonight. We're going to worship a little bit. We're going to look into God's word. We're going to end with some worship. And then tonight we've got a little family chat afterwards. So we'll do the 10 minute party. We'll take a 10 minute break at the end of service. And then if you want to stick around, uh, Suzanne, who is the treasurer of our board and myself, we're going to give a little family chat update just on finances. We were about four and a half months into our fiscal year. And what we're trying to do is just get better at being transparent of letting people know where we are. And so if you want to be a part of that, stick around. If you don't, then don't. Uh, and so uh, God has been so faithful. We're doing really well, but we'd love to update you on that. So tonight we've been praying every week for a church of the week because we know this reality. There's a million plus people in our city that are not connected to any faith community. And so we need the church, not just our church, the church to make an impact in our city. And so I want to pray for a friend of mine tonight, uh, Lamar Lovett. He doesn't even have a church name yet, but Lamar is a good friend and been a friend for a while, and they're actually getting ready to start a church here in January. And so I just want to pray for Lamar uh, and to pray for his family, his wife, Yvette, and uh, the kind of the core group that's beginning to rally around them. I got to spend some time with him in a conference Lyle and I were at a couple weeks ago, and then this last Thursday as we had a pastor's and uh, kind of leaders prayer summit or for the city, praying for the city, for you, uh, just hearing more of his story and so excited about what God's going to do. And we're going to have a chance to just kind of continue to cheer him forward and to cheer that church forward as it launches. And so would you stand up if you're in the house uh, and join me in praying? If you're at home, you can stand if you want, but we won't see. So let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to gather as your church. We pray that these next few moments that we hang out together as we worship and put our attention in your direction, that your spirit would move in our life. God, we pray for Lamar and Yvette and for the launch team of this new church. God, would you cement their hearts together? Would you give them a white hot vision of what you want to do in and through their local church? Would you be on the move in all kinds of ways, from the resources that they need, the leadership that's needed? We ask for just your provision and protection over them. God, would you uh, just bring a, a further anointing and blessing upon Lamar and that you give him wisdom and discernment and that you'd allow the church here in the city to champion and to cheer them forward each step of the way. God, tonight we lift this next hour to you. 
ask that you'd move in our midst, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Tearing through the dead of night See the kingdom burst into color Speed of light Freedom Shaking up the atmosphere As the shadows fade into nothing As the day appears Beyond the skies above, love reaching out for us, the everlasting one, Jesus our God, while we look to the sun, set our eyes on our Savior, see the image of love, see
these walls and even inside these walls sometimes there can be so much noise so much distraction father i pray for us as element city church lord that tonight that you would quiet our hearts quiet our minds quiet our anxieties that the good 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 and great god would move in a great way so we invite you here in this place tonight would you move within us lord we want to listen to that voice we want to be pushed we want to be pulled by that gravity to take us more towards you to make us more like your son, Jesus. So tune our ears and tune our hearts to be in line with your voice tonight. We love you, Jesus. You're so worthy, so worthy of our praise. seat. I think it works. I think we're good, Rich. It is uh, <clears throat> really good to gather to worship together. Um, and, and again, just a welcome to anyone who might be new uh, online or here. And um, if you have your Bibles or if you have uh, our app, you can actually open it up and go to message notes or sermon notes. You can follow along, but you could turn to Luke chapter 11. Uh, that's where we're going to be tonight. And as you're turning there in Luke chapter 11, or if you're pulling it up on the app at home or here, um, what I want you to think about is it's midnight. Now, for some of you, you instantly got tired. Because you're like, I don't know the last time I saw midnight. Maybe if I had to get up to go or, you know, do something. But like, just, like, I don't make it that late. How many of you would say you're not a night owl? Like, early on, you're like, I'm beginning to fade. But for some of you, you hear it's midnight. And like, you're just starting to wake up. Like, how many of you would say you're a night owl? Like, you're coming awake, you're kind of hitting your third dinner at that point, or I don't know, uh, Taco Bell or something. But, like, it's exciting for you at midnight. 
For most people, I, I don't know if midnight is that excitement frame for them, but I want you to kind of keep that in mind because it's interesting that the story we're going to look at tonight, this parable. So parables are just stories that Jesus tells that have the spiritual point behind it. And uh, Lyle's done a great job looking at the last couple of weeks, and so I hope you've enjoyed that. If you haven't, if you missed any of that, you can go back on the app and follow along. There's just some really powerful principles for us to look at. And tonight, uh, I want us to look at one that... If I'm just honest, right at the front, it's hard to see. It's it's a challenge. In fact, you're going to feel a little bit of tension in this because I did, uh, and, and I do. Uh, because I, I don't know quite how to take this, and yet I know it's what Jesus has, and so I think there's some insight here for us, and so I just want to invite us to go on this journey because he actually starts telling the story about a guy at midnight. And there's this context with that. Now, I don't know if you've had a a midnight moment in life. I would define maybe a midnight moment as one of those things where you needed someone to come through for you. And it's kind of the last, uh, in the clutch, the last minute, uh, whether it was a friend to step up and step into the gap to actually do something for you that you needed to be done. Maybe, Maybe you were moving that day and you're like, I don't have a friend with a truck. And then someone shows up with a truck, and you're like, you're my best buddy ever, right? Uh, maybe in this last minute, this midnight moment of life, someone did step up and come through and fulfilled something. Or maybe God made a way uh, for you to, to, to experience something that you really were looking for and needing him to do, and he did. And, and so maybe you've been blessed by that. Uh, my hunch is, at times, maybe you've had a midnight moment, so to speak, where no one did really step up. Where it didn't really seem like God even heard. Where maybe there was silence. And you're the one that's left with the ache and the hollowness because it didn't, plan, it didn't pan out the way you thought it would. My hunch is, if it was just you and me sitting in a coffee, I bet you could probably tell some stories like that in your life. Like, what happens when you pray and God doesn't move? Like in the time that you need him to, or in the way that you're asking him to. What happens then? What do you do then? My hunch is every single one of us has kind of had that midnight moment where we've seen God move and we've seen him bless but we probably also have had those moments where it didn't. And what do you do in the midst of that? So this parable that Jesus is going to tell stems from this whole idea of prayer. And if you've been in church for more than five minutes, like you know, okay, prayer is kind of this thing Christians do, this thing that like spiritual people do, like it's a religious kind of practice that you're to have to part. If, if you have been walking with Jesus and following him for a long time, like we know from studying the life of Jesus that it was integral to him. And we know from a, a Jewish context, those early disciples, they would have known about prayer. Like it, it wasn't like they saw Jesus pray and they're like, what is that? Like, they would have known about prayer. Like, they would have had prayers memorized. A lot of them had most of the Psalms memorized. And so, like, they understood prayer. But there was something that unfolds at the start of this encounter in Luke chapter 11 that we, we can't miss. 
because it's powerful, and I want us to see it because it actually paints the framework for this whole story Jesus is going to tell, and then he's going to tell the story, and you're going to be a little bit confused, and then he's going to unpack it a little bit even more, and I think that'll bring the clarity of what we need. So are you ready? Luke chapter 11, verse 1, here's how it starts. On that day, or one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, so one of his disciples is close enough to maybe even, you know, eavesdrop in, they kind of notice, they've, they've seen this pattern for Jesus playing out for a lot, right? So it's not like this is the first time, like, what's he doing? Like, they've seen him remove and go to, to quiet places and to pray, and there was something about the way Jesus prayed, how he prayed, why he prayed, how long he prayed. There was something about his prayer life that caused one of them to say, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Like John, he's speaking of John the Baptist, like John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. Uh, like, I've watched you enough to know that there's something different about the way you pray than the way I pray. Like, I know prayer. Like, that disciple would say, I'm a Jewish male. Like, I've, I've grown up around prayer. It's not that I don't know, but I don't know if I know it like you know it. And so would you teach us to pray? Prayer is a timeless element of spirituality in our journey with Christ. It's something Jesus modeled so often through the gospel accounts. We see it. Scripture says that even now he intercedes to the Father on behalf of believers, of those who have trusted in him. Prayer is us having conversational access to the creator of the heavens and the earth, and that is no small truth or casual reality. I know in our cultural context, we have Talladega Nights and Dear Baby Jesus, and we could treat prayer as very trivial at times. But the reality of prayer is this incredible opportunity for us to have conversational, relational connection with the creator of the heavens and the earth. And friend, don't ever let that lose the wonder and the beauty of that. There's something about this exercise, there's something about this habit, this, this practice that matters. And, and that's important, that opens things to us. And there's something, some way, about the way the disciples watched Jesus pray that had them asking him, hey, would you teach us to pray? Because I, I know prayer, but I don't think I know it like you do. And so would you teach me to pray? Though God is unique and a great figure and is set apart as holy, he is not unapproachable. Jesus stresses God's proximity, the access for believers and what we have in him and for his provision and care, and how he makes the view of God deeply personal. And we're invited to embrace that as well. Prayer, not as a religious ritual, or activity that you do to check it off a list, but prayer as a deeply relational connection with your creator who knows you, who's dialed into you. So Lord, teach us to pray. 
I want you to hear that phrase, that question. Lord, would you teach us to pray? More than a request of just, Jesus, would you give us a new technique? Friend, you don't need a new technique. There are some, and you can experiment with that. But that's not what you really need. Lord, teach us what you know about the Father that makes you pray the way you pray. That is what you really want. Jesus, I'm watching the way you pray, and I don't know if I know the Father like you do. And the way you pray and how you pray, I just know what I know about prayer. It's not like that. And so would you teach me about that? That is what that disciple is saying in that moment. You know what Jesus doesn't say? Ah, it's prayer. It's just conversation with God. You already know what you're doing. Just do it. Do it more. Jesus doesn't say that. I think Jesus kind of gets a glimmer in his eye and says, you want to know how to pray? Okay, here we go. And he takes him up on his offer. And then he begins in Luke chapter 11, verse 2. When you pray, he said, when you pray, uh, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Okay, Jesus. Um, Okay. uh, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Uh, Jesus, I I don't want to point this out, but uh, you forgot the other part. Uh, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like you, uh, You forgot your own prayer. Did you catch it? See, you can read in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives the long description Matthew records of the Lord's Prayer. Here in Luke chapter 11, it's different. There's gaps. There's things missing. Why? Well, send scholars into a tizzy of, okay, did Jesus just leave things out? Are they not important now? Or maybe this is a separate occasion. And Luke is recording one because that's not where Jesus stops. In Matthew, he he goes on, but that's the prayer section in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, and he kind of goes into greater detail of what to pray. But see, you asked me, would you teach me how to pray? So so I'm reviewing. You, You know this part. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Like, and he goes through this and he rattles, and then he turns to a story. And it's about a guy at midnight and bread. Uh, Jesus continues with his disciples. He's looking, um, listen, I didn't forget you asked me to teach you how to pray. And he launches into this longer discussion about the thing that I think most often frustrates us in prayer. He launches into a discussion about what happens when you don't get what you want from God after you pray. What do you do then? When it doesn't go the way you had hoped. And I think in this is really significant for us to wrestle with. And so he goes on. Then Jesus said to them, hey, whoa, whoa, okay. I know I'm starting there. Uh, suppose, 
You have this friend, and he visits you late at night, and he goes on this way, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine has come on this journey, and he's come to my house, and I have no food to offer him. And so I know I'm bothering you because it's midnight, but I'm showing up at your house, and I need some food to give to my friends, so could you spare some loaves of bread? I saw you baking all day. Like, I know you didn't eat all that. And so I need some bread for my friend who's kind of interrupted my night, but he's here, and it's my friend, and I, I need to respond. And so, like, would you help in this moment? And the friend on the inside of the house says to him, whoa, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Don't bother me. Weren't we talking about prayer, Jesus? Like maybe one disciple turning to the other. I thought he was going to teach us about prayer. What happened? Like, where's the bread, the midnight? I don't, I don't understand. And I think Jesus is almost like, I'll get there. I'll get there. Just stick with the story. Hey, you got a friend that comes and visits and you got nothing for him and so you go to this other friend and you're begging and asking for bread and that friend, well, if we're honest, listen, this is uh, ancient Near East, right? So it's not American homes. That's not American apartments. It's not multiple rooms. This is typically probably a two, 300 square foot home that has one or two rooms. If you've been in the living room, well, then you've been in the dining room. And if you've been in the dining room, then you're pretty close to the bathroom and you've actually enjoyed the kitchen and it's kind of all right there. And when someone snuggles in for the night, it's not just them, it's kind of the whole family there. And a friend comes at midnight and says, hey, yo, I need some bread. I got a friend, I got to take care of him. Don't bother me. I don't want to wake my wife up. I don't want to wake the kids up. I don't want to get the dog stirred up. Don't bother me. No, no, you don't understand. I got a friend, and I got a need, and I'm just going to keep knocking. Anybody have neighbors like that? We don't really knock on doors anymore. We text people, hey, I'm out front. We don't really go up and ring doorbells anymore. Uh, but into this moment, this created tension. If you're a disciple, maybe asking about, hey, okay, teach me how to pray. Maybe you're beginning to wonder in this story, like, okay, uh, I'm not quite sure I understand where you're going, Jesus. Like, are, are, are we like that neighbor? Uh, or like, where am I in this story? Maybe there's this idea of beginning to understand, okay, where, where do you place yourself? Where do you find yourself in this story? See, most people, when it comes to parables, we're often listening to parables or stories Jesus told, and we're beginning to kind of ask ourselves, okay, somewhere in this parable is like me, and somewhere in this parable is like God, and so I'm, I'm supposed to try to figure out and connect the dots and, 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 and understand, okay, what's the part for me to hold on to? What's helped me understand who God is? See, remember the prodigal son, the parable of the two sons? Like, okay, one son runs away, he wishes his father dead, and he says, I'm going to take my inheritance, and he goes and he blows everything, and, and then he returns, and the father's been looking for him, and he runs out to him, and he brings him in, and, and we kind of understand that, okay, like, I'm the rebellious child, 
And God's kind of like that, that father that's looking, that wants to reconnect. And, and so, like, it happens, and I can see it there. But Jesus, I'm going to be honest. I guess maybe I'm like the guy at the door knocking because that's what prayer is. We're kind of knocking on the door of heaven and trying to get our prayers answered. But that means like, whoa. That would mean like God's like the grumpy old dude inside who doesn't want to be bothered. That can't be right. Like, God, is that really what you're saying, Jesus? Is that really what you're trying to get? See, Jesus told another parable about prayer. It was just as confusing. Do you remember it? And Jesus, as he gets ready to share that parable one time with his disciples, actually says, hey, here's the point of this parable. He says this parable, here's what you need to know that I want you to pray and never quit praying. Here's the story. It's about this unrighteous judge who doesn't fear people and doesn't fear God. And it's about this widow who's got a case against her and she needs help. And so she goes to this unrighteous judge who doesn't give a rip about people and doesn't give a rip about God. And she goes and she begs, hey, would you help me? And he says, get out of here. And she goes back, I need your help. Would you help me? Get out of here. And she goes back over and over and over again. And finally, this unrighteous judge says, listen, I'm going to help you not because I'm for you, because I'm annoyed by you, and I need to get you out of my hair. And he decides to intervene on her behalf, and he speaks, and he lays down the judgment that's needed. And Jesus says, you pray, and never quit praying. Well, okay, I get that. That makes sense. That's English. But like Jesus, again, like I guess am I the like widow who needs help? And are you that like really ticked off judge? Okay, maybe I'm like the guy knocking on the door and are like are you just grumpy? And like finally you'll get up and do something? Well, what's interesting in verse 8, of the story we're looking at tonight. Jesus is telling them uh, that neighbor inside the house is responding, I can't get up, get out of bed. And then Jesus says, I tell you, even though he won't get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, shameless audacity is how the NIV translates this. Uh, some translations, if you have a different translation of the Bible, might have uh, the word persistence because of the persistence of the person knocking this friend inside will actually get up and be inconvenienced and respond. Uh, maybe because of the boldness of the person on the outside knocking, then you will get up and respond. And again, I hope you're confused right now because I was. And because it's really difficult to go, okay, uh, so I guess we're just supposed to annoy God with our prayers? Like, is that the point? Like, just be pestery about it? See, with this word, uh, anade, uh, anidea, sorry, is the Greek word that is translated here as persistence or boldness or shamelessness. 
It's the only time it happens in the New Testament. It's the only time that Greek word shows up in the entire New Testament. And translators have had a challenging time trying to translate it. And in some ways, it is about this idea of boldness and the shameless audacity, but it's about the shamelessness side of things as well. And so it's kind of this both and, and this reality of this audacity of this neighbor who keeps knocking. And even though that guy won't get up because of friendship with the person who's knocking, but because of his audacity and his persistence and his boldness, he will respond. And I thought that was kind of weird until I realized I'm a parent. How many of you are parents here? How many of you have nieces or nephews here? Can I have a cookie? No, it's like half an hour to dinner time. Can I have a cookie? No, I just answered that question. Like I said, half an hour before dinner, we're not going to have a cookie right now. We're going to wait for dinner and maybe you can have, can I have a cookie? No, like I've said no like three times. I don't know if you've understood this or not, but can I have a cookie? Are, are you deaf? Like, uh, just, I, I'm not quite, let me write it down for you. No, N, oh, okay, you can't have a cookie. We're like half an hour from dinner. Can I have a cookie? No, like, go see your mother. Can I have a cookie? 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 Anyone ever been on the receiving end of this? And what do you do occasionally? You snap and go, fine! Just stop talking! This brought a lot of flashbacks to me. Hopefully I didn't just traumatize you. This pestering, this audacity, this just, this boldness. Are we supposed to approach prayer that way? Maybe. See, the other way this word gets translated in shamelessness, and if we understand maybe some of the cultural dynamics of the day, it might help us shed some light on the truth that Jesus is trying to unpack here for his disciples. Jesus teaches how to pray. See, I know a lot about prayer. I've been around prayer, but when I see you pray, I don't pray like that. And I kind of know. Why? How? What do you know about prayer that I don't? Let me tell you a story. See, you pray persistent prayers. I think Jesus is saying that. And the other way this word, anaideia, gets translated is this idea of shamelessness. See, in a in the ancient Near East, cultural context, uh, different than the Western world in which we live. We live in, in kind of a guilt-based culture, but Hispanic culture, Asian culture, uh, there, there's a sense of you don't want shame upon your name or your reputation or your family name. In fact, there's two core cultural truths about the ancient Near East that we know and we see represented in other cultures around us. And those two core truths is one is hospitality, like ridiculous hospitality. 
and this idea of shamelessness. Not shame in the sense of what psychologists say of like, I'm a bad person. No, no, no. Not like shame that way. But in a shamelessness way, in the sense that you don't want to bring dishonor or shame upon your name or reputation or have your reputation marred by something. And so this hospitality matters. And in the ancient Near East, hospitality mattered crazy. Like, we understand hospitality of like, oh, hey, I'll give you a gift card. Hey, I'll hang out with you a little bit. But hospitality, like, friends, when I went to Central Asia a decade ago or so, we showed up at this person's house that was there, a part of the ministry. And I'm telling you, it's 200 square feet is the home. It's, you know, a larger tough shed. And a family lives there. We walked in. We were being greeted as the guests there. And I walked in. And do you want to know how much food was in that place? Enough to fill Golden Corral. No joke. In fact, I remember looking around to our guide who is with us. And I said, wow, did they invite the entire church? How are we going to fit in here? And he said, no, it's just the three of us. And I said, what? Loosen the belt. See, in that cultural context, what you have to understand is like when you have a guest, you go above and beyond. You don't just bring a few chicken fingers from Cane's. You bring Cane's. Like, it's ridiculous in the sense of how people go out because they want you to feel honored. And when you eat, you eat. And I'm talking three, four-hour meals continually eating when you're the guest. And if you stop eating, then you better be done. Don't put more on your plate because whatever you put on your plate, you got to finish. Hello. It's Thanksgiving week, just reminding us. Okay. Um, but this hospitality matters. This shamelessness matters. You don't want to bring shame or mar the reputation. And so Jesus is telling the story, and it's fascinating when you begin to think about it. In verse 8, there are six different clauses that are in this one verse. Here they are. Even though he will not get up, give him anything, because he's a friend, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And the fourth clause that I skipped over was, yet because of this anidea, because of this persistence, this audacity, this shamelessness, he will get up and give as much as he needs. See, clause one, two, three, five, and six, the subject is the person in the house, not the person knocking. So what makes us think that clause number four is different? Stick with me. Hospitality matters, avoiding shame matters. This parable is not just about you, teach us to pray. It's also about God. God the Father has many names in the Old Testament. The greatest name is Yahweh. It's what was revealed to Moses. I am who I am. That's what Yahweh means. Not I am who I am in a philosophical sense. Or I am who I am, so don't bother me. I am who I am in a relational sense. I am the one who is there for you. I am the one who is with you. 
all throughout the Old Testament, every time Yahweh made a covenant with his people, he put his name on them. I will be your God, it was always followed with, you will be my people. I will be your God, you will be my people. I am who I am and I am with you and I am for you. Jesus is saying God will honor his name. The Father will never let shame come on his name. He's gone public with his name. God has placed his name on his people. I am there with you and I am for you. See, Moses understood this. Back in Exodus 32, God says, I have, I have had it with these people. I have brought them out of Egypt. I've had it. Moses, I'm going to wipe them out and start over with you. And what does Moses do? It's fascinating. Listen to what he does. Go read it yourself. Exodus 32. God's had it. God kind of has that moment like when your mama had that moment. When she says, I brought you into this world and I could take you. Right? And the people of God have been grinding on God. Not even appreciative. And he's like, I've had it, Moses. I'm going to start over. I'm going to wipe them all out. And Moses, what does he do? Does he argue with God? No, he appeals to God. God, but your name is on your people. What will the Egyptians say when your name is smeared? And what happens? God relents. Now, we could go into a whole argument about the sovereignty of God. Did he know he was going to do that? Yes, he is. But we don't have time for that. God relents because his name is on the line. Jesus, teach us to pray. David knows about this. Psalm 25, verse 11. For your name's sake, Lord. When you see the word Lord in all capitals in the Old Testament, it's always Yahweh. Yahweh. For your name's sake, Yahweh, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Pardon me. Forgive me. It's way more than I could ever fix on my own. I need you. I need you to be true to your name, that you are the forgiver of people. David writes, Psalm 23, he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's to honor his name. I will be your God and you will be my people. Friends, this is where it begins to connect. Jesus tells the story. And you're like, I, I don't know if I get this story. It's a little confusing. Like, is God grumpy? Do I just, like, what am I supposed to do? Jesus goes a little further. Verse nine, he says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus, teach us to pray. 
Because I know about prayer. But when I see you pray, I don't pray like that. And I think Jesus says, friend, you persist in prayer. You be audacious in prayer. You be bold. You be persistent. Because the shamelessness of God's name is on the line. And he won't shame his name. He will be your God. And you are his people. So when it seems silent, and it seems hollow, it seems like the prayers bounce off the roof, you keep praying. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. God won't dishonor his name. Friends, I, I wish I could tell you about some of the parents I know who prayed for prodigal children. And, and they prayed for a week and for a month and for three or four or five or six months for their wayward child. And they just kept praying and they felt like God is silent. He's not doing anything. I don't know what to do here, God. Friend, you've been there. I've been there. And Jesus would say, you keep being bold. You keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. Here's what I've heard from a lot of parents who have been in that scenario. They come back and say, you know what? Six months in, I finally realized I needed to change. I wasn't even ready to receive them home. There were things God needed to do in me. See, persistent prayer changes you. And it changes scenarios. And maybe part of the prayer and the persistence of prayer is for God to do a changing work in you. God, I need you to move in this circumstance. I need you to move for friends who are saying, I, I got to praying for this job. And they keep praying and they keep praying and they keep praying. And it's annoying because it doesn't seem like there's an answer. And then finally, after weeks or months, there's an answer. And in that moment, aren't you all like I have experienced? Like, God, that's so much better than the ones I wanted over here. That's so much better. Like, I was just begging you for this, and I was pleading with you in this, and, and the reality is there were some changes that needed to go on in me, and I didn't even see it. But now I began to see it, and then you provided, and it's almost like you know what's best. Hello. Why do you pray in persistence? You persist in it. God is true to his name. It changes you. What are you diligent about in prayer? Is there anything that you're so locked in on, so burdened by, so concerned with, that every single time you pray, God, I need this. God, I need this for so-and-so. I need this for me. Whatever it may be, whoever it may be for, that you keep bringing it back. Please, God, please. I know it seems impossible, but I need you to move. Is there anything that you're honoring God with because of the magnitude of your prayers? Or do we just treat God as the giant vending machine in the sky? Hey, God, I need a good parking place today. Listen, you can pray for that. I do, especially at Costco. Come on. God cares about all the concerns of your life. 
But is there anything that you're just being bold and audacious about asking God for that's bigger than you? And that you've got to keep knocking. God, I need you to move. I, I don't know how you're going to move. It seems impossible to move. But I need you to act. I need your activity on display here. Refuse to not pray about it. Pray about it. Refuse not to, to not knock on the doors of heaven, to not seek God's activity and intervention. Seek it all the time. Ask it all the time. Knock all the time. If you are not, then you might be missing out on an opportunity for God to change you through persistent prayer and to move in a way that you would just say, wow, God, that's all you. That's all you. When you pray, friend, don't give up. When you ask, you keep asking. And just because heaven seems silent means nothing. You keep asking. And just because no one has come to the door, you keep knocking. And just because you haven't found it yet, you keep seeking. Because God honors persistent prayers. Something is going to happen, and God will move. I will be your God, and you will be my people and I will not bring shame to my name. That's what Jesus is getting at. John Stark is a, a former intern of mine, wrote a book, pastors of church in Manhattan, wrote a book called The Possibility of Prayer, one of the best prayer books I've ever read in my life. I'm gonna highlight it to you. The Possibility of Prayer, he writes this. Here's what you should know and believe about a life of prayer. Full of joy, power, and awe is for you. It is not for other people. Prayer is not for the spiritually elite it's for you. Jesus says, you ask and you seek and you knock on behalf of others. You ask, you seek, and you knock on behalf of yourself. Maybe the key takeaway for tonight is this. We can persist in prayer when the truth remains this. God is continually good. He is permanently interested in you. And he is forever for your best. God is continually good. He doesn't have good days and bad days. He is continually good. It's his nature. God is not distracted or away or forgetful about you. He is permanently interested in you. God is forever for your best. And because he knows best, sometimes he'll answer differently than what you pray for. Sometimes his timing won't line up with your timing. Sometimes he'll provide maybe a different angle or a different way because it's even better there. Listen to how Jesus finishes this whole story. Teach us to pray. That's how it started. Weird story about bread and midnight. You keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. And then Jesus says this. Which of you as fathers, mothers, if your son asks for a fish, that you give him a snake. Or if he asked for an egg, you would give him a scorpion. Like, which one of you would do that? Nobody. If you, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does your heavenly Father in heaven will give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. The Holy Spirit is the premier gift Jesus gives us. 
that the Father provides for us, meaning all other gifts are underneath that and he'll provide that as well. If you have a pen circle, how much more? It's this compare and contrast. Jesus does this so often in parables, comparing and contrasting. If you know how to do this, how much more does in your heavenly Father know how to honor his name and know how to respond to you when you persist in prayer. You keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. Friend, that's the invitation to prayer. Even when it feels like God didn't answer or that there's silence. And so what I'm gonna invite as our worship team comes to close us in a song, um, I'm gonna invite you to take 30 seconds and to pray, to persist in prayer. For some of you, you've been praying for a particular individual, a particular family member, a particular friend for a while. And almost to the point where, you're, man, I don't, I don't see how God's moving. Like, I don't, should I just stop? Should I change my prayer? Listen, you keep asking, seeking, and knocking. You keep praying. That's the point of what Jesus is trying to get to. Persist in prayer. For some of you, you've got a scenario, a situation happening in your life that you're needing God to move in. And you've been bringing it before him, bringing it before him, and it feels silent. It feels like he's not even paying attention. Friend, you keep asking. You keep seeking and you keep knocking. And so, Father, we want to practice what you're telling us to do here, Jesus. Teach us to pray. There was something about the way Jesus prayed that took people who understood prayer and it caused them to ask the question, would you teach us how to pray? Because I don't pray like that. Would you help us to know the Father? so that we pray the way you pray. So Father, we lift these next few seconds to you. Prayer is going up around the room. We're asking for your activity to move on behalf of people, on behalf of situations or circumstances that need your movement. God, you're not grumpy. You're not reluctant. You are our God, and we are your people. You are responsive to protect and to honor your name. So God, would you move? God, we prayed for a vision for this church to be everything you want her to be. Nothing short of that. God, make that dream bigger. And for it to be bigger, it needs your movement. It needs your activity. It needs you to do what only you can do. So in the lives of my friends, God, would you move? In the life of your church, would you move? 
And may we enjoy the moment of saying, God, wow, look at all you've done.
Keep knocking. I know for some of you, you're tired. I've been praying this for so long. Friend, don't quit. Bold, audacious. You keep at it. We're praying for God to move and for you to see it and be wowed by it. Friends, it's great to, to gather on Sunday nights, to have you here in the room, to those of you watching online or throughout the week. Um, just thanks for being a part of Element City Church, part of the family uh, that's here. Whether this is your first night, if it is your first night, hey, welcome aboard. Uh, glad that you're here. We'd love to, to meet you. I'll be at the 10-minute party here at about 25 seconds. Uh, I'd love to meet you. We'll do the family chat in about 10 minutes because we're doing a 10-minute party. See how that works. Uh, and we'll gather up here in the front. Uh, Jake, come up here. So Jake's a good buddy. Been here the last seven weeks or so and uh, is heading back home to Buffalo. Did your bills win today? Okay, we won't talk about it. Okay, so... Um, but Jake's been just a, a real shot in the arm, I think, for our church family. He's an elder in his church back home, and he was asking if he could pray a blessing over you and over us uh, as we leave. So we're going to close with Jake, you praying us out. Does that sound okay? And uh, again, if you're new, I'll meet you at the 10-minute party. we got free popcorn for you, and uh, we have loved having you here. And uh, you are always welcome to move your family here. And just, I'm just throwing that out there. But um, thank you for all you've done to encourage some of our folks. And I would love you to pray a blessing over us. So. Awesome. awesome. Thank you, guys. I, before I pray, I have to thank you and, and tell you what a huge blessing you have all been. This is bittersweet. Um, I have literally fallen in love with Element City Church. Um, you guys are awesome. Um, my, my prayer coming out of here, my wife and I, we, have, we were praying that I would be able to find community um, because of how vital and important surrounding yourself with other, other believers is. You know, we want to be in isolation sometimes, and that's not good. And um, so we prayed a lot for that, and, and God exceeded my prayer. He gave me you guys. And I am so thankful for all of you, uh, for the relationships that I will carry further for the rest of my life. Um, and I will be back, and I will bring my family. Um, but I want to tell you guys, I thank you so much. The, the generosity that I've experienced through your love, the hospitality that we talked about just a minute ago, you guys have, have shown all of this, that you are passionate for our Lord and our Savior. And I want to urge you to continue to be bold. Do not sacrifice truth. 
stand on the word of God and push forward, make more and better, better followers of Christ at all costs. It is worth it. So let me close in prayer. God, I thank you so much. I lift your name high, God, um, for what you do in our lives. Mm, thanks, God. God, you work in a way that, that we don't even understand sometimes. I thank you. I thank you for community. I thank you for relationships. I thank you for, for how you've created the body, that it, it transcends more than just areas, local areas, but it's, it's this entire world of believers. And God, we are, we are set apart. We are rem a remnant in this broken place to help bring people to you. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna lift Element City Church that you will continue to do a work through these people, that you will change the city of Tucson, that you will help and heal lost and broken people who need you, God. Continue to use this church, Lord. Continue to give them passion for you. I pray that you will, you will shock the men here, that they will answer the call to lead even better, to lead their families, to lead each other as the men, the fathers, and the husbands that you have called them to be. I pray that you will continue to speak into these women, women's life, young and old. Help them continue to be the, the support that you need them to be because without them, Lord, these men cannot be the leaders that you have created them to be. So God, lift this church up. Continue to use this place. Continue to change this world through them, Lord. And I thank you so much for these people, God. You are awesome. We give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you the glory because you are worth it. You are our Savior. You are everything, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, friends. Thank you, bro. Love you.